0: Chapter 31 The Apparition on the Terrace. When Satagira had reached the goal he had set himself, that is, possessing me as his wife, the ardour of his love rapidly cooled, and all the more quickly since it met with no response on my side. I had promised to be a true wife to him, and he knew well that I would keep my word, but more than that did not lie within my power, even if I had wished it. As I bore him only a daughter, Who died in her second year, no one wondered, and I least of all, that he took a second wife. She bore him the wished for son, and as a consequence, she received the first place in the house, and was able, in a clever fashion, to attach to herself the love that I had so willingly resigned. Over and above this, matters of business more and more claimed the attention of my husband, for, after the death of his father, he had succeeded the latter as the Minister of State. In this way, several years slipped quietly by, and I was left, for the most part, to myself, which was just what I desired. I gave myself up to my griefs, both for the loss of you and for my little girl. I almost felt that she, finding herself in a loveless family and with a mother given to such melancholy, had simply made up her infant mind to depart, so I communed only with my memories and lived in the hope of a happy meeting here above, a hope in which I have not been disappointed. "'Satagira's palace lay close to that same ravine "'from which you so often climbed up "'to the terrace of the thoroughless "'but at a much steeper place, "'and it had a terrace similar to the one at my father's house. "'Here I was accustomed to spend "'all the fine evenings in the hot season, "'often passing even the whole night there, "'reposing on a couch. "'The rocky front of the ravine, "'which was also surmounted by a high wall, "'was so steep and slippery "'that I felt certain no human being could scale it. "'Once, on a mild and glorious moonlit night I lay on my bed unable to sleep. I was thinking of you, and particularly of that first evening together, the moment when I sat with Medini on the marble bench on the terrace awaiting your arrival. It stood vividly before my mind's eye, and I thought of how, even before we'd hoped for it, your form suddenly appeared over the top of the wall, for in your passionate ardour you had easily outdistanced Somadatta. Lost in these sweet dreams, I'd unconsciously let my gaze rest upon the parapet, suddenly a figure rose above it. I was so convinced that no human being could ever scale this part of the wall, that I did not doubt in the least that your spirit, conjured up by my longing, had come to comfort me, and to bring me news of the blessed place where you now awaited me. For this reason I was in no way frightened, but got up and extended my arms to embrace my visitor. When, however, he stood on the terrace and approached me with rapid steps, I saw that his figure was much taller than yours, indeed even gigantic and I perceived that I had the spirit of Angulimala before me. But at that, I became so greatly terrified that I was obliged to cling to the head of my couch in order not to fall down. Whom did you expect? asked the fearful apparition coming closer to me. A spirit, but not yours, I answered. Carmenita's spirit? I nodded. When you made your movement of welcome, he went on, I feared that you had a lover who visited you here at nights. If that were so you would not be able to help me, and I need your help as much as, at present, you need mine. At these strange words, I ventured to look up, and now it seemed to me that in truth I did not have a spirit before me, but a being of flesh and blood. The moon, however, was behind him, and dazzled by its beams, as well as confused by my terror, I only saw the outlines of a figure which might well have belonged to a demon. I am not the spirit of Angulimala, he said, guessing my thoughts. I am Angulimala himself, a living human being as you are. I began to tremble violently, not from fear, but because I was standing face to face with the man who had cruelly murdered my beloved. Do not be afraid, gracious lady, he went on. You have nothing to fear from me. On the contrary, you are the only person I myself ever been afraid of, and whom I dared not look in the eye, because, as you so truly said, I was deceiving you. You deceived me, I exclaimed, and I scarcely know even now whether joy rose up in my heart, awakened by the hope that my loved one was still alive, or whether yet greater despair seized me, as I thought that I had allowed myself to be deluded into separating myself from my beloved. I did, he said, and for that reason we are thrown upon one another. For we both have something to avenge, and on the same man, Satagira. He spat the name. With the bearing of a prince, this robber made a movement of his hand, bidding me to be seated, as though he had much more to say to me. I had been holding myself erect with difficulty, and now sank down upon the bench without power of volition. I gazed at him, breathlessly eager to hear his next words, which should enlighten me as to the fate of my beloved. Carmenita with his caravan, he went on, fell into my hands in the wooded region of the Vedisas. He defended himself bravely, but was captured unwounded, and as the ransom arrived in good time, he was sent home without molestation. He arrived safely in Ujjaini. At this news, a deep sigh escaped my breast. For the moment I felt only joy in the knowledge that my beloved was yet amongst the living. Foolish as the feeling was, for living, he was even further removed from me than he would have been by death. When I fell into Satagira's power, Nghulimala continued, he at once recognized the crystal chain with the tiger-eye amulet on my neck as the same one that had belonged to Carmenita. On the following evening he came to my prison alone and promised, to my unbounded astonishment, to give me my freedom if I would swear in the presence of a maiden that I had killed Carmenita. Your oath alone would not convince her, to be sure, Satagira said, but she must believe in a right of truth. He explained to me that I was, at the first hour of the night, to be conducted to a terrace where the maiden would be found. He would see that the fetters were filed through, so that I could, without difficulty, burst them. After which it would be an easy matter for me to swing myself over the breastwork of the parapet, climb down into the ravine, and escape, since the gully finally ended in a narrow watercourse through which a small brook ran under the city wall and emptied itself into the Ganga. With a solemn oath, he swore that he would do nothing to hinder my escape from Kosambi. It is true, I did not trust him overmuch, But I saw no other way of escape. To perform the right of truth, and in so doing, to utter an absolute falsehood, nothing whatsoever could have induced me to do that, I acknowledge, for I should thereby have called down upon myself the most fearful judgment of the angry and insulted goddess. But I saw at once how I could so express my oath as not to tell an untruth, yet, at the same time, everyone hearing would believe I had killed Carmenita and I trusted that Mother Kali, who finds pleasure in craftiness of all kinds, would stand by me with all her power on account of this masterpiece, and would lead me safely through the snares which the treachery of Satagira might lay for me. As a matter of fact, everything now occurred in the way that we had arranged. And you yourself saw how I burst the iron chains asunder, but to this day I don't know whether Satagira kept faith with me, and had the chains filed through as he promised, or whether the Dark Mother helped me by a miracle. I'm more inclined however to believe the former for scarcely had i swum a few strokes out into the ganga when i was fallen upon by a boatload of armed men so he had evidently relied upon that ambush yet here could be seen what kali's help is worth for although the pieces of chain hanging on my wrists were my only weapons i succeeded in killing every man of them and on the boat which had capsized during the fight i fortunately reached the safety of the north bank though not to be sure without bearing away so many and such deep wounds that a whole year passed before I had recovered from them. During that time, I often swore that Satagira would pay for what he had done. And now the time for that payment has come. In my heart there raged a storm of indignation at the shameful discipline which had been practised upon me. I couldn't blame the robber for saving his life as he did, and, as he hadn't soiled his hands with the blood of my beloved, I forgot for the moment how much other innocent blood adhered to them, and I felt neither fear nor disgust in the presence of this man, who, whatever else he might have done, had brought me the message that my carmenita yet dwelt in this world, even as I did. But a bitter hatred rose up within me against him whose fault it was that you and I were obliged to wander apart until the end of our earth journey. And, when I heard Angulimala threaten his life, I experienced a deep and involuntary pleasure, which, I imagine, was to be read in the expression of my face, for, in an excited and passionate tone of voice, Angulimala continued, I perceive, noble lady, that your lofty spirit thirsts for revenge, and soon you shall have your desire, for it is with that end in view that I have come here. For many weeks I have lain in wait for Satagira, just outside of Kosambi, and at last I have learned from a sure source that in the course of the next few days he will leave the town for the valleys lying to the east where a legal dispute at present impending between two villages has to be settled my original plan formed before i knew this was to force him to make a sally against me in order to take me prisoner again but this journey of his has greatly simplified matters to be sure i have made no secret of my presence in accordance with my original intention but have let my deeds speak for me and the report of my reappearance has for a long time been freely circulated although most people believe that some impostor has arisen who gives himself out to be Angulimala. Still, fear has already seized upon people to such an extent that only large and well-armed bands now venture out into the wooded region to the east, where I have my headquarters. To all appearance, you have heard nothing of this, probably for the reason that, as a woman despoiled of her life's happiness, you dwell in solitude with your grief. I have certainly heard of a daring band of robbers, but as yet without mention of your name. That was why, at first, I believed I saw your ghost. But Satagira has heard me named, the robber went on. Depend on that. And as he has good reason to believe that this is the true Angulimala, and has yet better reason to fear him, it may be taken for granted that he will not only travel under a powerful escort, but will also take other precautions and make use of many devices with intent to conceal his real plans. However, although the band which I command is not very large, no kind of precaution will help him. If I only know for certain at what hour he moves out and what road he takes. And this it is that I hope to learn from you. Although I had up to now listened to what he had to say, dumb with amazement and as if laid under a spell, without thinking how much I was already compromising myself by doing so, at this suggestion I rose up indignantly and asked what gave him the right to believe that I had sunk low enough to take a thief and a robber as an ally. In the case of an ally, replied Angulimala quietly. The chief thing is that they are to be depended upon, and you feel, of that I am convinced, that I am absolutely to be relied upon in this matter. On the other hand, I need your help, for only in that way can I learn with certainty what I wish to know. True, I have a source of information which is usually reliable, and from which, as a matter of fact, I know of Satagira's journey, yet if our man causes a false report to be circulated, even this source can become untrustworthy. "'but you need me, because in a case like yours "'a proud and lofty being finds satisfaction "'only in the death of the traitor. "'If you were a man, then you would kill him yourself. "'As you are a woman, my arm is necessary to you.' "'I was about to dismiss him angrily, "'but with a dignified movement of his hand "'he gave me to understand that he had not yet said "'all that he wished to say. "'So, against my will, I paused and became silent. "'Thus far, noble lady, I have spoken of revenge.' But there is something other and weightier to come. For you, to secure future happiness. For me, to atone for the past. Justly it is said of me that I am cruel, without compassion for man or beast. Yes, I have done a thousand deeds, for each of which one must receive the consequences, as the priests teach, for a hundred or even a thousand years in the lowest hell. It is true I had a wise and learned friend, Vajishravas whom the common people now even revere as a saint, and on whose grave I have offered rich sacrifices, and that he often demonstrated to us, that there were no such hell punishments, but that on the contrary, the robber was the most brahman filled of all living beings, and the crown of creation. Yet, he was somehow never able to convince me of the truth of his position. Be that as it may. However, whether there are hell punishments or not, this much is certain, that of all my deeds, only one lies heavily upon my conscience, and that, is that with my deceitful right of truth I cheated you. Even then I did not dare to look you in the face, as you rightly discerned, and the memory of that hour sits ever like a thorn in my flesh. Well, the wrong I did you then, I would now like to make good, so far as that is possible, and so do away with the hurtful consequences of my act. By my sly dealing, you were separated from Karmanita, whom you believed to be dead, and were chained instead to this false Satagira. These fetters I now wish to take from you, so that you may be free to unite yourself with your beloved. And I will go to Ujani myself, and bring him to you safe and sound. Now, do your part, and I will do mine. It is not difficult for a beautiful woman to draw a secret from her husband. Tomorrow, as soon as it is dark, I shall come here again to get the necessary information from you. He bowed deeply, and, in my bewilderment and dismay, before it was possible for me to utter a single word, He vanished from the terrace as suddenly as he had appeared.